for the last several months, I've tried to tell you what I believe was um, one of the greatest needs of our church at this time. It has to do with the development of a, a spirit of love and, and, and fellowship in, in the church. Under the title of uh, Congregational Relationships, and I'm, I'm um, coming to the end of that. In fact, I think next Sunday night will be the last shot I'll take at this. But I, I am um, so thoroughly convinced that, that our time, in our time, at this particular time, our church needs to reevaluate um, not its program, but its, um, its heart, its, its attitude toward one another, its uh, cooperation, its assimilation, it's fellowship. If there, was, if there is a thing that's uh, vitally needed in the church now, I think in any church, it's a sense of oneness and fellowship that reaches out in caring concern to others around them. And I want to talk a little bit about that tonight in the 24th uh, chapter of Joshua. And you have a worksheet because if you're here for the first time, um, that's the way we do on Sunday night. We just kind of uh, study God's Word and make notes on a worksheet. Let me remind you of an illustration I used a couple of weeks ago about this psychologist by the name of Harwell who um, began to notice um, these caged monkeys that he had would be, uh, would, were attracted to and were uh, relating to these uh, cloth mats that were in the bottom of the cage. And he sensed that they found some kind of uh, warmth and um, some kind of uh, uh, nurturing uh, as they would uh, fondle and cuddle those mats there. And so he made a terry cloth monkey and put it up there in this uh, cage just to observe and discovered that these monkeys would uh, gather around that terry cloth monkey and, uh, and would uh, uh, respond to it as though that... Uh, were their mother, and he fixed a um, he fixed a, uh, a a bottle and a nipple, and uh, they would come to that uh, terry cloth monkey, and they would nurse, and they would not only nurse, but they would obviously find some uh, uh, some strokes there. Well, he took this uh, a little bit further. He made a, a wire mesh monkey, put it in the cage. And he fixed the same kind of uh, nursing apparatus to this wire mesh monkey so that they could come and nurse at the wire mesh monkey, but they nursed at the terry cloth monkey. And so he made it an arrangement so that a certain amount of monkeys were assigned to the wire mesh monkey. That was the only place they could get their milk and some to the terry cloth. And this was the observation that those who could get nourishment only from the wire mesh monkey would go and nurse, but they'd go back immediately to the terry cloth monkey. And his conclusion, scientific conclusion, and you've been waiting breathlessly for the punchline, was that the purpose of, of, uh, of uh, nursing was not just to dispense milk, but to dispense nurturing and caring and love. Now, it is a great concern to many of us in the church today that we do not produce wire mesh Christians. That is, people who come for food and that's all they get. 
that we do not produce a church that just dispenses spiritual food and that's it. Uh, many of the churches today that I know about are kind of uh, uh, centers of teaching and people come and they get this marvelous uh, teaching that comes from God's Word. I'm not uh, minimizing that at all. But they come to get this, this uh, teaching, this preaching. They come to Sunday school and they're taught. Uh, they come to a place, a teaching center that dispenses truth and their purpose is to inform. And they go away and that's about it. I call it the Bible class mentality. It is as if this church were called to a ministry that ministers to the, to the head and not to the body. I'm greatly concerned that that does not happen, that that ceases to be the purpose of this church. There is more to the ministry of a church and a Sunday school, a teaching center, than just to come and get information about the Scripture and the Bible. The purpose of the church is much more than that. It goes much deeper than that. Suppose somebody were to ask you tonight, how's your family? You say, boy, I've got a great family. I mean, in my family, we're served three or four meals a day. I mean, just luscious meals. As a matter of fact, when we get together in our family, it's just one continuous meal. That's all we do is eat. Um, and, and you might ask, well, how, how do you relate to one another? You say, oh, we don't relate to one another. The purpose of our family is to get food. And so we come and, and we just get fed day after day, continuously, all day long. Well, the family is more than for eating. A family is where people relate to one another. A family is where people listen. It's a place that cares it's a place to go where mom and dad talk, where mom and dad teach, where there is wisdom. It's a place where there is caring. A family is a place where you can find a supportive arm and the doors of the family hinge in both directions. It's a shelter in the place of a storm. The purpose of this church, my friend, and I want to beseech you to grasp it, is not to dispense information or biblical truth, regardless of how important that is. This is a family, and it's a place of caring and concern. It's a supportive arm, or should be. It should be a shelter in, the, in a storm. It's a place where people come, where they can talk, and people will listen to them, and feel for them, and understand them. It's a place where the doors hinge in both directions, where people are invited to come. Now I want you to hold your place in Joshua 24. I want you to look at 23, chapter 23, verse 13. Because I want, I want us to uh, just kind of go back and digest just for a moment something that we talked about the last time we were here. And I went away really not feeling like I got the message across, so I want to take another shot at it. I want us to try to digest what verse 13 says. Know that with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you. Now you understand that God's people had come and were coming into the land of Canaan and that land was divided now into them and God had fought many battles for them. But now it was up to them to clear out the land. It was up to them to drive out the last enemy. It was up to them to fight these battles. And he's saying, I'm not going to fight your battles anymore for you. There's some responsibility that you must assume. 
Now, it's wonderful to talk about trusting God and letting God accomplish what He wants to, but there's some things you and I have to do. And he said, now, I'm not going to take this responsibility for you. You're going to have to clean out the land. There are some things that got to go. That's what he says. He said, if you don't, he says, they shall be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. And you remember that we talked about what these snares and traps were as it relates to congregational relationships. It's these subtle things that take place in the church, these cliques that develop. I shared um, uh, Wednesday night something I think it's worth sharing again. The person who shared this with me will never be divulged uh, who that person is, probably watching television tonight because they watch every service. She said when I was uh, a a young woman, she said I used to drive... uh, up to the front of First Baptist Church on Sunday morning. And she said, uh, you know where that feed store used to be? Right over here in the corner, that feed store was torn down about a month after, about a year after I came here. There used to be a feed store right over here on the corner where the parking lot is, you remember. And she said, I'd sit in my car and I'd watch the people go in and out of First Baptist Church. And she said, I'd sit there and just weep. She said, I didn't have tears on my face. She said, I literally wept. As I watched people go in the church and come out of the church, and she said, I don't know what I was, why I was drawn to, that, to this particular church. I don't know what drew me here except that, that I saw these people who represented something that I was not or perhaps could never be, perhaps the elite and the socially prominent of Durant. And she said, I would just sit there and weep because I could not be a part of that. Now, Snares and traps refers to those little cliques and those little social implications and that little feeling that we, that we vibrate and exude, that we're a part of something here that nobody else can be a part of. It's very subtle that takes place in the church. It's that feel, it's that sense of that I can't be approached. It's that, it's that communication that I'm a little bit a cut above you. I'm a little above you on this social plane. It has to go in the church. Can't happen. And he talks about these whips on your side. It's that instrument of torture. It's when we verbalize, when we go a step beyond these little feelings and attitudes that we have toward other people and we begin to verbalize them. It's that pharisaical attitude that we voice. It's that critical spirit and that condemning spirit that we manifest. And if there is that in the church, it has to go. Now, everybody's got problems, you know, that... um, He's ashamed of, and he doesn't want to have. He doesn't want to feel like he he'll go to the church and be condemned there. He wants to feel like he'll go to the church and be accepted there. And then he says, "You got thorns in your eyes." It refers to that blindness, that external, those external things that happen in our lives that we refuse to rid from our lives. If I regard iniquity in my heart, that means if I give God uh, iniquity an uncontested place in my life, God will not hear me. Do you have sin in your life? If you're a Christian and a part of this fellowship, in order for this fellowship to communicate its witness to a community, that sin has to go. Now, do you know the consequences of what happens when that's not done? He said, you'll perish from off the land. That word perish is an interesting word. It's a word that means you'll cease to be as you were meant to be. 
Now, if the church doesn't deal with those kinds of things, then that church will cease to be what it was meant to be. Now, it can be uh, still remain a great information center and a teaching center and people can come listen to Bible study taught and sermons preached, but it will cease to be what it was meant to be, and that is a community, a family of caring concern. It will cease to be that. In 1886, the French gave uh, to America uh, um, a gift. It was kind of a gift, but it was our uh, receiving it was dependent upon some things that we were going to do with it. It was called, it's called the Statue of Liberty. It's uh, 305 foot high, 305 foot 6 inches high. Some of us on our mission trip went to that here a while back. Listen to what it says in the Statue of Liberty. Listen to this. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning. And her name, Mother of Exile, from her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that Twin Cities frame. Keep ancient pomp, keep ancient lands your pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to be breathed free. The wretched refuge of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, temptest toss to me. I lift up my lamp beside the golden door. Now, what, in, what, what word of welcome, what announcement is this church making? I, I mean, let's get serious. Get, get with me just a minute. I hope you're here, here with me. What announcement does this church make? Give me your ignorant and I'll teach them. Give me your strong and I'll use them. Give me your rich and we'll exploit them. Or does this church announce, give me your sick and we'll heal them. Give me your unlovely and we'll love them. Give me your weak and we'll strengthen them. Give me your lost and we will find them. Is that the announcement this church makes? Now sometime we're going to have to confront that in a serious manner, serious way. What is this world of ours hearing when it passes by the fellowship of First Baptist Church? That's the big question. Now, right quickly, chapter 24, and I'm not going to linger long at this. You're tired as I am of it, perhaps. Chapter 24, look at this. Verses 1 through 10, just to review. Verse 1 through 10, he's reviewing some history. Can't get much faster than this. Verse 11 through 13, he talks about these battles that God had fought for them. Now he comes to verse 14 and he gets to the main issue, the main thing. He says, now therefore, look at it. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, if if that's if that's not cool, if you don't like it, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. 
whether they be the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now this is the main issue. Perhaps this has already been done a long time before I came here. Maybe that's true. Maybe you did this as you worked through these periods of time when you were without a pastor. It hadn't been done while I've been here. Maybe it was done before. Where we came to a point, a fork in the road, and we chose the course of direction that we were going to take. The main issue is this. Choose for yourself what you're going to do as a church. You choose for yourself. Now Joshua wants it clear what what he's going to do. He's going to serve the Lord. But it's exactly this way in the family of God. It's left up to you. Now it is my opinion that the best way to minister in a church is in small groups. You can come on Sunday morning and you can sit in an auditorium feel like this. And you can listen to a sermon preached. Or you can go to a Sunday school class and you can sit in that classroom. in small group setting where people relate to one another in a small group. Now, I think we've come to a time when we must choose if that's going to be our course of direction or not. Am I going to involve myself in a small group or am I just going to come to church occasionally on Sunday morning I'm going to sit in a balcony or I'm going to sit somewhere out in the auditorium and I'm just going to kind of get lost in the crowd and leave? Am I going to really get involved where people are involved? That's the choice that a person has to make. But I think he needs to make that choice. I think there are times when we have to make choices that are relevant to the ministry of a church and that time has come. All right, secondly, how do you do that? What are the essential ingredients? All right, they're outlined in verse 14. He said, they're these, fear the Lord and serve Him. It's that simple. Fear the Lord and serve Him. Now, the the idea that's involved in that word fear is not the cringing fear of a a tyrant. It's the idea of a, a respect for God, a reverence for Him. It is the recognition of His sovereignty. It's giving Him the the authority that He deserves and, and demands. Fear the Lord and serve Him. Now, the idea in service there, that Hebrew word, is the word being, is the word it means to be obedient to Him. I'm going to, because of my recognition of who God is, I'm going to be obedient to Him. That's my choice. I'm going to do it. Um, when I was a senior in high school, and I shared with the other day we were here at the church, and uh, it was a holiday, and I was sitting in my office, and some guys came by, some of our college students, and we got to just sitting in there and just kind of sitting around in the office on the floor, just kind of rapping. And we got to talking about what, where do you come, what happens when you come to a place in your life where, you know, you, you literally make a choice that is, that is literally life-changing. And I told my, I gave my testimony. I don't know whether I've ever given it here or not, but uh, I was a senior in high school and I was involved in a lot of things that I'm now ashamed of. Somebody asked me, said, well, how was the key to coming to where you got, where you got to? And it was by the girl I was going with. Her name is Margaret now. She happens to be my wife. I mean, she led me to, to, to an understanding of what it meant to, to, to be a, a, a whole, wholesome and right, righteous person, right person. 
and, and I made a decision one night. I mean, it, it, I didn't see any flashing lights or anything like that. It was just a line, like a line drawn on the road. I decided I was going to choose to fear God and to serve Him, to be obedient to Him for the rest of my life. Now, I'd rededicated my life many times in a church, went right back out the same night and did what I said I'd never do again. But it has never been the same since that night. Now, I was talking to one of these guys later on in the week, and he said, you know what we talked about the other day? He said, that, that was just confirmed in my heart recently. He said, I, I did that back last summer, he said. And he said, just this week, they're just for a flashing moment, just flashed across my mind, he said, maybe to go back. He said, I, I absolutely, it was repulsive to me to even think about going back to the old lifestyle. That's what I'm talking about. We deliberately choose to obey God from now on. That's the point. Now, I've got a book that I like and I recommend it to a lot of people. It's called Happiness is a Choice. And in this book, he makes this statement. He says, we have very little control over our emotions, but we have maximum control over our behavior. Now, you wake up in the morning and you're going to have very little control over your emotion. I mean, in the morning, I'm, I'm kind of hard to you know, live with, I'm sure. And I feel a lot of things when I get up in the morning facing another you know, Monday that, that are uh, negative. But I have no control over those emotions. But I have maximum control over my behavior. I cannot change my feelings that much. But I can change my behavior. Now, watch this as to how it relates. I believe that we can be more caring than we are. I believe that we can be more evangelistic than we are. We can reach out to lost people better than we're doing it. I believe that we can involve more people in our love than we're doing it. I'm convinced that we can reach out in caring concern in a better way than we're doing it. I'm just telling you the truth. Now, I know that you don't feel like doing that many times, often. I don't feel like doing it. I don't have any control over that feeling, but I do have a control over my behavior. And God's Word explicitly declares that His people are to be caring, loving, forgiving, accepting people. Now, there are ways to do that. You don't have to feel that to do it. You don't have to feel love to love. You don't have to feel caring to care. You don't have to feel forgiveness to forgive. You just have to obey God and do it. Now, it's your choice. Whatever you decide to do, that's your privilege. That's your choice. But if you want to be a congregation that conquers the land God has given us to conquer, we're going to have to do it. Now, you have three responses. The first response is, you might say, is I want to change. I want to, I want to reach out, really reach out. I want to really care for people. I want to get involved where people are, more than just attending worship services occasionally. I want to do that. I want to get involved in small groups. I want to, I want to be a part of, of a ministering, caring group that reaches out and includes people and feels for people and holds their hands, etc. I want to be a part of that. I've seen churches that have that. It's going on all the time. I want to be a part of that. I heard about a couple that came to this church, this large church down in Houston, and they just came every Sunday. They were just their faithful members, gave their money, etc. They just kind of came in, sat down. It was just a huge church. 
Every Sunday they came and just got a big blessing. And boy, that choir was great. That sermon, just what I needed. They'd leave, come back next Sunday morning, same old thing. About a year of doing that, they decided, hey, this, there's, more to this. there's more than this. And so they got involved in a small group Bible study. It met on Sunday morning, and they just a wonderful fellowship, just a small group of couples like they were. And, and they got together some during the week. About two months after their involvement, their little child was run over and killed. And that class, that small group that they had just identified with began to reach out to them. Somebody came by and said, we'll babysit with your children while you get some time for yourself. And they came and, and they, one guy came by and he just got his, pulled up in front and opened the trunk of his car, got his lawnmower out and mowed this old boy's lawn for him. He said, you got things that are on your heart. Let me take care of your yard for the rest of this month. Just that kind of stuff. And they just rallied around that couple. You know where that couple would be if they had not gotten involved in that group of caring people, that little group? They'd be out there tonight just wandering around in the dark. All right, you can say the second thing. You say, well, I, don't, I choose not to change. I'm going to do it just like I've always done it. I'll come and I'll just sit back there. I'll go to Sunday school class and get me a big class. And I'll just find me a place back there and I'll just... All right, if you want to do that, let me ask you to do me a favor. Don't badmouth the church when you do that. I mean, don't call us unfriendly if you choose to do it that way. Just don't badmouth us. Because if that's the way you choose to be, then, then people are not going to be friendly to you. It just works that way. You ever notice that? All right, then the third response you might, might have is, I'm going to postpone this decision until I have more information. I mean, you're going to procrastinate and you're, well, one of these days I might do it, I might not. Let me tell you what, you'll never get any more information than you've already gotten. Now, what are you going to do? You know, there's enough people sitting right out here tonight that, you know, I'm not asking you to change, get your feelings have your feelings changed? I've already said all I want to say about that. But if we'd start behaving, just start behaving like the New Testament Christian, it revolutionize this town. And you say, well, I'd be a hypocrite if I acted like I loved somebody I didn't know. You wouldn't be a hypocrite. You'd be obedient. I mean, Jesus said, do it. He didn't say, feel it. He said, well, I, you, know, there's, there's, you know, there's no rationale for that. It's the behavior that God is after. And somebody's already said, I can think my, I can feel, I can act my way into a new way of feeling, but I can't feel my way into a new way of acting. And you start acting, behaving, you'll start feeling. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for helping us to understand that there's more to being a church member than just going to church and letting somebody teach us the Bible. This is a family where people are listening and talking and loving, caring, reaching out, supporting. God, help us to be that way. Let it start right here in this pulpit. Let it reach out to others. I want to pray this because I believe, dear God, that this is your will for us. I pray that, that you'll bring it to pass. In Jesus' name. Now I want us just to have just a moment of invitation. Maybe somebody wants to come say, I'd like to make public a decision, a commitment to that kind of thing. I choose to 
respect God, to revere Him, to obey Him, and to serve Him. I'm going to change my behavior to be a part of that. We'll sing a stanza or two for you to make a response, maybe to give your heart to Christ or to join the church, whatever God leads you to do. Let's do it while we stand and sing. <laughs>